Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, James, game three. I was going to say game four. Game three is in the books. The Leafs have pulled ahead in this best of seven series. Quite a game. Um, what was like your your impression of that game when it's three nothing? Are you like over, <laughs> done? Are you like Tampa's too good? Like this is going to be tighter. Yeah, I knew there was going to be a push. I think every single person that's watched the Leafs play the last couple of years knew there was going to be a push. And, and Tampa's so dangerous, and their best players are so talented. You know, it's um, so you knew that there was going to be a, a real onslaught, and that the Leafs were going to need some saves, and they were going to need some good good stops defensively. And the question was whether they were going to get them or not. And you know, when the three two goal goes in, you're like, all right, here. <laughs> Here we go. You know, now it's and they were looking so dangerous and, and the Leafs were really just playing really passively. Yeah. Um but you know, I you know, it was a you you were at the game, you were in Tampa, so I don't know what the atmosphere was like in the building, but on TV it was it was a great game to watch. You know, this has been a really entertaining series. I've really enjoyed it. And uh I still say it's gonna go seven games. I still think it's gonna go the distance. You know, I, I think that I think the lightning, I think what you saw in game two where they bring the counter punch and they come back in a big way, I think that's probably what we'll see again in game four. And But, you know, f- full credit to the Leafs for, for bending but not breaking. And, you know, the, the two biggest things, and I don't want to steal too much of your thunder, the two biggest things for me, Jack Campbell was great in that third period. And David Kampf is having the series of his life. And, you know, I remember people in Edmonton out talking to me about David Kampf and they're like, boy, he sure shut down. He sure was hard for the Oilers to play against when they they faced up against. Remember, Chicago was like I think weren't I want to say Chicago was the last team that made that bubble playoff. They were like the twenty fourth best team, mm-hmm. and they knocked and they knocked off Edmonton and eliminated them in that best of five. And you talk to people in Edmonton, and they they talk about D- David Kampf and, and what he brought to that series and playing him against Connor McDavid, and you know they thought that that was a really nice signing by the Leafs, and it's certainly looking that way right now. Yeah, and it's like. You, you start to think, or I started to think early in the series or even going into the playoffs, like this could be really important for them to have a guy like that because you thought back to like past playoffs and they really never had someone who could do this. And it really seemed to hurt them at times because they would have to play Matthews more. They would have to play Tavares more. They would have to start those guys more in their D zone. And camp just like really solves a lot of those problems and like 
I mean, the second half of the game, it was like, it was unbelievable how much he used that line. Like that line was playing more than any line. And anytime like there was a defensive zone draw for the most part, those guys were coming out. Um, and he won faceoffs. Like he, I, I think he finished like at 69% on D zone draws. They didn't have that last year. It's like he just solved this glaring need that they had in the past. Like, remember they were trying to like jam Kerfoot in there and Engvall and, He's just like a perfect fit for what they need, but we should get more into that, but we should talk first just a little bit about Campbell because Campbell, I mean, he was spectacular. Like he's outplayed Vasilevsky in the series. And if you told me through three (laughs) games that he would play outplay Vasilevsky, I would have said, okay, then the Leafs are winning the series or they're ahead in the series at that point. So 924 save percentage for Jack Campbell. He's made 85 saves and some of them just really, really good. And you know what? Like, we knew that Jack Campbell had this in him. We've seen, I mean, the, the way that he played through the first, whatever it was, 25 starts of the season. Yeah, this is, this is I it. Mean, he made the, he made the all-star team. And there was, there were runs last year where he had long stretches where he played well. And, you know, he's got that ability. And the thing that Sheldon Keefe said after the game that I liked was he said that Jack Campbell just never gives up on a, on a play and never, stops trying to and you know on that one that goes across and Stamkos is there he was he knew Stamkos was there and he didn't give up on the play and it was a hell of a save yeah and you know what James like you can tell early in a game with him whether he's locked in and he looked locked in like there were no rebounds he was tracking shooters like you could just see it was going to be one of those games for him and then as Tampa starts to take control of the game like midway through the second period he just seemed locked in like he and he hasn't let in those, like we talked about according to the series, I think, like the bad goals. Like none of the goals are like, eh. and and I, I wonder um, like how much that break, um, well, I guess it was like the, it was in March where he had a few weeks off. He had the rib injury and he just kind of reset himself because ever since he's come back, he's looked like the guy who they had before. And if, if he can like keep it even with Vasilevsky or even outplay Vasilevsky, like they have a great chance of winning the series because that like you went into the series and you said what are Tampa's advantages that's like number one like that is the that is the one that thing that Tampa has clearly is better than Toronto and maybe their defense as well obviously Vasilevsky 890 save percentage through three games yeah small sample size but you know Vasilevsky didn't have a Vesna caliber season this year he he was solid but he was not the world beating goalie that he's been in a lot of the last four or five years. And do you think, do you think, sorry to interrupt James, do you think any of that is like where from like how much hockey's played? Probably. I mean, like, you know, that in the, this, the schedule has been very condensed. The lightning don't have a backup that they can play in a lot of games yeah. in part, in part due to cap reasons. And they've had to just go to him over and over and over again. And he's delivered for so long, but you know, and I think that, the the Leafs could benefit in this series just from that that wear and tear factor. I'm trying to think, well, you know, because it's been it's been a weird schedule with COVID the last two years and whatever. But you know, if you like, because the playoffs ran into the Cup they won in 2020 ran into like I want to say October. Yeah. Is that right? Early early well, and October. So James, let me give you the numbers. So during that 2021 season, he played 42 of 56 games in the regular season. 42 of 56. Then in the playoffs, he plays, obviously, all 25. Then the next year, this year, he plays... Actually, I guess I need to go back a year. 
So he played 52 during the 1920 season and then plays all 25. Then last year, 42 of 56, and then obviously all 23 in the playoffs. They win the cup. He was amazing. And then this year, he's played. he played 63 times in the regular season. 63. That's like... That's how the Leafs used to use Frederick Anderson. So, like, you wonder if that catches up to you at some point. Back-to-back cup runs, playing like a million times in the regular season. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that for some of the guys on on the Lightning who are over thirty, it is. And you know, we we mentioned this coming into the series that this yeah. was a potential factor. That I mean, Stamkos has not been a huge factor in the series. Nope. Uh, guys like you know, someone like Palat has declined from what he was two three years ago. Uh, Kalorn, you know, you, uh, I'm not saying the Lightning are done in this series, but I think there's a little bit of vulnerability there that the Leafs can take advantage of. And the one thing I was thinking watching uh, Game 3, Jonas, was, you know, last year when the Leafs had brought in reinforcements uh, for the playoffs, it was all older players and, yes. and, and a lot of them got hurt or were playing hurt. This year with the reinforcements, I mean, I know they got Giordano, but, you know, when they sign... Uh, Kampf and, and and Kasha and they trade for Labushkin Bunting. and Bunting's the other one. Yeah, they were all like twenty six years old, yep. like almost all of the the reinforcements. And I I think the Leafs just look like a little bit like the younger team and the Spryer team so far in the first three games. Yeah. So there's a few things we sh- we should get into. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Kampf, Mikheyev, and Engvall because they didn't actually start the game together. And it it almost felt like they only ended up back together because Michael Bunting just didn't look like Michael Bunting, and Sheldon yeah. Keith ended up moving Kerfoot to play with Matthews and Marner. And then did uh, how much did Bunting play like late in the game? Like, do do you have an eye on like I how have, many minutes I he can, was getting? I can get you that right now. Like in the third period, I don't think he he played a lot. I mean, he only played like twelve and change for the game. So in the third period, he played 146. He had five shifts. He he just doesn't look like he has any burst at all, James. Like he doesn't look like himself. Well, I think it's like a knee injury or something, right? Like I think he's got like some sort of it's like the thing Hyman had where you you play through like a, a strain or something in like one of the ligaments there. That's I think that's what's going on. Yeah. It might be. Yeah, it could be. I mean, they they've been very vague, but uh so that ends they won't, up they won't tell us, but so we, we we're kind of left being yeah, we have to be speculative. Um, but so that ends up putting Engvall, Mikheyev, and Camp back together. And it's just like, it's crazy. Like, even going back to the regular season, and I know we talked about it then, but it's like every time they just do the same thing. Like, he puts them out for a D zone draw, and like they just get it out and they just skate it out. And it's like because they're all, they're all kind of like similar body types. You know what I mean? Like, they're all long and they're all pretty good. Like, they're all not pretty good. They're all really good skaters. And they're just annoying, and like you can just you can just see that they would be a, a pain in the ass to play against. Like Mikheyev doesn't like quit. Like he's one of those guys. Like you know when you play any kind of sport when you were a kid, and there was just one kid who just like played harder than everyone else, and you're like, dude, like cool it a little bit. Was that you, Jonas? That was were not you the me. Try, I, the, tr- the try hard. No, but I remember the kid who was, and it's like, dude, like we're just messing around during recess. Like cool it. But like Mikheyev is like that during an NHL game where he's just like nonstop, relentless, relentless, relentless. And then obviously Engvall has like figured out how to put all of his tools together. Um, like Jason Spezza, I thought had a really good point. Like he he's learned to be to use his strength, and he's also learned to like change speeds. And so you put him with you put him with Mikheyev, and suddenly you've got like these two long armed and like long limbed 
fast, energetic guys. And then Ingvall's, yeah, yeah, Ingvall's the more surprising one to me because sure. the organization has been talking to him about this ever since he came over from from Sweden, which is a long time. It's like almost four years, and I, I, you know, last year was the year. I was like, I don't know that this guy's going to be ever be more than a four. I thought he would maybe potentially top out as a fourth line guy. Yeah, and his evolution this season is just. I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming, him being this good. I thought he was an NHL player, but... Well, and James, you know, remember, remember there, all those there was times? A time yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We were talking about, like, the contract. Like, one, we were like, oh, 1.25 million seems like a bit much for this guy. And then you watch him play this season, it's like, holy cow. Like, he's just... It's just on another level. Well, and remember, James, like, all the times, like, he was on the bubble of being on the roster. Like, he, he wasn't on the roster, like, at points. Like, last year... Uh, to start the season, he didn't even make the taxi squad. Didn't make the taxi squad. And well, Keith was like kind of like frustrated or angry at him or something, right? Like there was because there of what like you're talking sort of, about. It's like he yeah. Keith recognized like these traits that he had that were really unique and could make him an NHL player. And it was like Engvall just couldn't figure out how to do it consistently. And now it, it was like kind of like the second half, really, that it clicked in, but like a little bit in the first half where it was like. Not only does he have to play, but he needs to play in their top nine. Um, and like that's a big development. And then like you you mentioned all the stuff with camp and signing camp, and it's like suddenly you've got three guys who are just like yeah, like like we were talking about, they're just a pain in the ass to play against and like it, it makes it makes for the potential for them to have kind of their own Goudreau, Coleman, Gord line. Um, and you see, like you look in the minutes, James, like five on five. Their two leading minute getters up front are Engvall and Camp, and number four is Mikheyev. They're just playing the shit out of these guys, as they should. Uh, our colleague Joshua Cloak has a feature on Pierre Engvall on the site this morning, and I know it's Saturday, and I don't, I don't, you know, it, it, people's cons- consumption habits are different. But even if you're listening to this podcast on uh, another day, I highly recommend reading it. Uh, Josh talked to Engvall's mother, who is a mental performance coach who works with professional athletes. That's her job. So she's worked a lot with with Pierre. And she says in the story, he always wants to reach his full potential. That was the one thing he was really struggling with because he really wants to be a playmaker. He wants to be a difference maker, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, just she says in the story that he had to kind of find his own way and find out who he was and find his potential and things like that. So it's a really interesting story and it really kind of gets into who Pierre Angual is. And his dad is a, a professional athlete. His uncle uh, is a, uh, a star soccer player. I can't remember. I think I want to say with he plays for the Croatian national team. Cool. But there's, there's a lot of athletes in Angual's family. And it's funny the guys, the, the Leafs players are calling him Seabiscuit because – up close, when you see Angval, he just he looks like an athlete. Like he's not built like a normal human being. He's so big and so strong. His legs are enormous, mm-hmm. and it just really powers him around the ice. Like he's he's one of the fastest guys on the team. And when he gets going, it's what you were saying with. And the thing is that with Angval, he's so coordinated for how big he is, which is really unique. Yeah, yeah. So he has three assists in uh, game three. He sets up those two Mikheyev empty netters, kindly sets them up, um, and then he gets a helper on the Blackwell goal. And so that that brings us to some of the adjustments that they made to their lineup in game three. They put Tavares and Nylander back together. We'll talk about that. They put Justin Hall into the lineup for Timothy Lilgren. Uh, and obviously they, they take 
Simmons and Spezza out. Simmons was available to return. Or Simmons and Clifford out, and they put Spezza in on the fourth line, which they re-engineer to initially feature Blackwell, Engvall, and Spezza. Which of those adjustments did you think worked? Do you think any of them worked? Do you think they didn't work? Did you like them? What was your thought? I know Hall took the penalty. I thought he was okay otherwise. Everyone's kind of down on him because of the the bad penalty. Strong Um, underlying numbers for Justin Hall, by the way. Yeah, like I, I, I thought he was skating well and working his ass off, and um, I would, I think I would keep him in the lineup. Me too. Give him another chance. Uh, I liked him, you know, a little bit on the penalty kill, and he's got he's got experience there that Labushkin doesn't have as much of. Um, sorry, not Labushkin, uh, Lilgren. There's a lot. There's some lots of L's there. Yeah. Um, Spezza, I you know Spezza, I noticed on power play too, but that was really about it. Like you can tell, he's like kind of like the a bit of the general on that unit, and I think gave them a little bit more of an identity. Great call, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Because before it was just like they, I didn't like what they were doing. They had like this mismatch of guys who who didn't really fit and hadn't played that much together, and like yeah, that's one thing that he did is like he he was he ends up kind of being like the maestro of the unit from that right circle. Well, he's like yeah, he's like the Matthews of that that unit, really. Like you know, he's and like he made some decisions on the power plays where he was kind of like shooting it, and but I don't know. I mean, like he's just he's just unflappable in those situations and really really good on the power play. And I think that even if he's not playing that much at even strength, then I don't have in front of me how much he played. Would he play eight minutes, nine minutes? I mean, it it that impact that he makes on power play two is probably bigger than what you're going to get from from one of the uh, the hitting guys. Yeah, so he played eight and a half minutes. And and honestly, one thing you don't have to worry about with him is like he's not going to take one of those penalties. Like he's just not. Like they, suddenly that fear factor, I think, for them would be gone. And like you have a fourth line in theory that can play a little bit. Like we'll see what they end up doing with their lineup uh, for game four. I wouldn't be surprised if Bunting ends up on the fourth line just because of how limited he is right now. That's uh, what I was going to say is maybe put him there and... Yeah, so maybe it's Bunting, Blackwell, Spezza. And, and I don't, I have no problem with that. And I thought Kasha looked better than he did in game two. Like he seemed to have more legs and was more involved. And so Kasha may be someone you can move up the lineup and see what he can give you. Well, he, he is moved up the lineup. And that's, what, that's part of what I want to talk about next is... Well, I'm talking about putting him like up with Matthews maybe. Oh, yeah. They could consider that. Um, I really liked when he, I mean, how many games did Kasha play with Matthews during the season? It was like three or four. No, it was a little bit more than that. Unit. It was more than that. It was like when it was him bunting and, and Matthews and they played well together for the most part. Um, I just, Kasha, I remember talking to someone uh, with the, the Leafs about Kasha and what they liked about him. They said, he's just like, just a really, really understands. He really understands how to play with good players is what makes Kasha interesting. Like he can play and you look at his career and he's played with some really good players and, you know, specifically in Anaheim, he's, he was just very good at facilitating Matthews and setting him up with, with the puck and key spots. And that's what made him effective when, remember when Kasha was on the first power play unit, he had some really nice plays with the puck just to set up teammates uh, for goals. See, to me, he looks a little bit like a guy who hasn't played in two months. And yeah, he does. He does. I know. Uh, I mean, and this but, is kind of I mean, pick pick your poison. Like Bunting's well, injured, and exactly Kasha. Like I think Kasha's gonna like what we've seen in the past is you know he gets five, six, seven games under him, and all of a sudden he's like, oh boy, look at this guy. And I saw a little bit of that in Game Three. 
Yeah. So uh, we can shift to like a little bit of some of the things that they're going to have to clean up. Uh, one thing we should add is is they've done a really nice job for the most part against the Stamkos line. Like Stamkos and Kucherov have no five on five, nothing. Uh, and and a big part of that is is Brody and Muzzin have been really mm-hmm. good, and that's like yeah, that's something we talked about going into the series. But one one issue I don't do you wa- think Jonas? Yeah. What I would I, th- I when I watch I think Brody's the unsung hero of this team. Yes, he is. Like, I, sure. I mean, maybe some people would pick comp or something like that but i think it you know it's it's he won the award game i gave him the award you, you gave brody the award yeah the most underappreciated leaf he's season. one of the i think he's one of the more underappreciated players in the league like brody's brody's been fantastic like i don't know where this blue line is without him he's you're right he's like and he, you know what he is he's almost like he's like the glue that kind of keeps it all together because like he can play with anybody he can play either side he can play on either special teams like he can play against good players he he helps you a bit offensively. Like he's if, he if I was a Leafs everything. fan and I had season tickets and I was going to lots of games and I was going to buy a jersey, I might be wow. get like a Brody jersey. Those are the kind of players that that I always liked when I was a kid. When I was like, I remember I remember watching growing up watching junior hockey and like Robin Regeer played for played for the Blazers. And I mean, like Robin Regeer was was more of a star just because of how good he was. But that kind of like yeah. really good defensive defenseman. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I, I like those guys, too. Like, remember uh, L.A. had, like, Matt Green and, like, I'm trying to think of some other guys, like, over the well, years. Well, you know who I like that's relevant to a Leafs audience is, remember, like, uh, Danny Markov and Dmitry Yuskevich when they yeah. used to play together for Yuskevich those Pat Quinn great. teams? Yeah. <laughs> they were so they were so fantastic to watch. And, you know, the Leafs needed a little bit of – and that's kind of, like, a little bit like Muzzin and Brody. Like, they've got a little bit of offensive ability, but defensively, they're just in the right position all the time. Yeah. So, the other thing that, that we should discuss, and then we'll take a break and get to the pod bag, is it's twofold. So, Matthews and Marner have six points apiece. Um, they've got – they've you know, they found pockets to, to generate some offense, 5-1-5. Five but you look in, in game three, and they were just completely swallowed up by that Sorelli line. Just, they spent more time playing defense than they did playing offense. And that's something... Sorry, we, to, sorry to interrupt, Jonas. I believe Matthews has five points. Mm, I don't think so. That's what, that's what the stats say today. Sorry. Did he get an assist to... taken away from him? Yeah, he did. That's weird. He got an assist taken away from him. It went to bunting. The scoring leaders race. Uh, yes. It's Con- Connor McDavid, Mitch Marner, and Evander Kane are all leading with six points. And then Matthews is in the second group with five points with Erickson Eck, Kaprizov, and so uh, Bouchard. That was a scoring change. They gave. It looks like they gave the first assist on the Riley goal to bunting instead of Matthews. Anyway. Sorry, I just I had to correct you. I'm yeah, sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, the point is those guys have produced – but you looked in game three and the Sorelli thing really did take shape as the Lightning would have wanted it to. Sorelli is one of the best defensive, like he's going to get sulky votes. I put him he's not second win it. on my ballot. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I think I had him. I think I had him. I think I had him like fourth or fifth or something like that. I mean, he's he's a very, very good defensive player. But so we want to look ahead and, and I think I'm going to write about this today. If that line is going to be tied up, and like that's a brutal matchup, like they're playing against three unbelievable players: Kalorn, Point, uh, and Sorelli, and and eventually John Cooper changed things up, and he got Kucherov to play with them instead of Kalorn. Either way, they're facing like a gauntlet. 
which means like you start to look at the rest of the Leafs lineup and you say, of course, I know where this is going. You know where this is going. They're going to need <laughs> Tavares and Neander to produce. And, and they're still like, even in game three, they did not have really anything going. And obviously they were back together for a regular shift for the first time in like over a month. And, and that worries me a little bit if I'm a Leafs because they, they played up against Stamkos and, and granted, you know, the Stamkos line got a goal. Uh, the Palat goal that brought it to three two, so that that's concerning to me, and and I don't know what you do aside from just like hope that they they can find their way. But at some point, they're going to need those guys to give them something, and I'm just not seeing it yet. Like neither guy has a a five on five point in this series. I think they both might only have one point apiece in the series. Period. Am I wrong about that? I can look it up very quickly. Uh, yes, uh, I'm right about that. Tavares has one assist through three games. Neilander has Tavares only has one point. Period. Yeah. Never mind. Like even Neilander does not have a point in the series. Well, is that just the sushi that is still the <laughs> the lingering issue? I mean, I think that can be an excuse for you for one game, but I don't think he's looked bad. But like they're they're not really generating anything, and that's what's a little bit concerning to me. And the issue that be, that started happening in the second half of the game is like. They could only put Camp out for so many defensive zone draws, and they're going to want Matthews to be out there for some of the offensive zone draws. So it's like, okay, well, we need Tavares and in, in that group to go out for some D zone draws, and and in one particular instance, it bites them in the ass. And like that was something Keith talked about before the game is like, we really need them to be okay defensively. Like as much as they need to generate, their number one focus has to be defense. So I don't know I mean, what you do. I mean, Tavares was losing faceoffs in game three. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, he he was a monster in the faceoff circle to start before that game. Like he was 22 of 28, I think, going into the game. Well, I mean, I think he only won five of 16 or something in game three. I don't have it it right in front of me. He went six wins, nine losses. Okay, six of 15. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's... um, It's not like they're getting the toughest matchups. I mean, they got a little bit more... They got a little bit more defensive zone starts in game three than they did in the first two games. I mean, they were 50% or better in the first two games, but Tavares is only playing around, you know, a little over 17 minutes, uh, you know, which is for a, a guy making 11 million bucks who's your captain. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's concerning. And it's not just concerning. I mean, we don't want to sound an alarm because the Leafs have played really well in this series, but it's concerning. Like he's got three more years on his deal and, you know, there's, the, I think this is kind of an indicator of what Tavares is right now. He's really good on the power play still. Uh, he's got some offensive tools, but you know what? It seems like Jonas is in a series like this that's just moving so fast. It just it he's having a hard time making an impact. Yes, yeah, I think you're right. And he's getting caught like he's got the puck and trying to make a play, and he's getting caught and stripped of the puck, and it's it's problematic. Well, this is not a perfect comparison, but in some ways. That's now kind of their third line. And this reminds me a little bit of what happened with Tampa uh, last, I think it was last year, where Stamkos ends up kind of being on their third line. Like they have the point-Kucherov combination up top, and then they had that Goudreau-Gord-Coleman. That's That was really maybe even their first line as far as ice time goes. And then I think Stamkos was kind of like third line-ish. I'd have to check like the minutes. Well, and Stamkos playing on the wing quite a bit too, right? Yeah, like- and like that's something that they're going to have to like figure out maybe after this season um they it's it's funny like in tampa it's like it's nothing like they just 
Stamco spent all this time on the wing. It's no big deal. Point moves from the wing to center. If Sorelli moves around, like, I don't know why it's it's such a, a holy grail that you can't just move guys around. But anyway, that's an offseason Well, we mentioned early in the season that, like, maybe Tavares should get some time on the wing. And, like, the blowback that we got was was considerable. So, But I, I do think that that's going to be a conversation around Tavares over the next few years because, I mean, it's not like the Leafs are, are loaded with a whole bunch of centers that make sense over him right now. But, you know, it just could be – I could just see his game being more effective on the wing. Well, maybe you put Neolander in the middle. Um, but do, so like looking ahead, do you think, do you see any signs that they can kind of get going? Like they really just need, like, they don't need a lot. They just need to kind of, I mean, one of the things that the Keith talked about earlier in the year with those two is like, they just need to start like forcing turnovers. And when they start forcing turnovers, they catch the defense when they're a little unscrambled and then they can make plays. And that's not really happening. Like the five on five play in this series has just been like basically even for the most part. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know where they go from that. I, I, the other thing, James, like I was curious about is, do you do anything with the defense? Like Labushkin, I thought, I mean, he made a really nice play to Blackwell, obviously, but I thought he had a really- <laughs> Pass was. Yeah. It's did like, you see Brian, did you see Brian Hayes called him Mario Labushkin? Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise he had a really tough night. Um, I don't know that they do anything. I, I don't know that they can really. Like the only thing they could well, do Well, he's their sixth defenseman. I mean, he played only 12 minutes. He's not playing on either special team. You know, you just want Labushkin to keep it really simple. It's, the to problem stay is back he had a lot of problems keeping it really simple, James, in game three. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, that's the player that he is. I mean, I, you know, like Labushkin's a – Labushkin's – and that's what he was in Arizona too. He's a six or seven defenseman who plays physically. And I didn't know that he had that pass in his arsenal, but – you know, I think that with him, I think that if he had worked with the Leafs development team for a longer period of time and like he'd be a good project. I wonder if he's he'll be willing to sign for like not a lot of money and come back next year. I know he's UFA, so it's probably he's probably going to get more than the Leafs are going to want to pay him. But I think there's some tools there. But you're right. I mean, it's just like decision making and playing with the puck is. And again, this series is moving really fast. You're playing a really, really good team. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Tampa because I know they're down in the series and they've had some struggles, but you, I mean, they got so many good players. Yes. They have so many good players. They move the puck so well. And when they were coming in those waves late in, in game three, it's like, yep, this looks like the team that's won the last two Stanley Cubs. Well, you look for the series, he is at 40% expected goals. I think you probably, I mean, you can't really play Logren with Riley. like the, No, I think you're probably right. I think you probably keep it as is. You know, and you mix Riley in with different partners to get him enough minutes. Oh, yeah. So this is something I wanted to bring up with you, James, and I meant to talk to you about. I was looking at some of like how Tampa uh, basically uses their defense, and it's really interesting what they do. Like oh, lots of mix and match. It's right? so much yeah. mix and match. Like you, well, look, that's the way to do. Well, you know why? Because they got all those lefties, right? And they have guys like even lefties can play the right. Like Sergeyev can play the right, and they just move them around. But it's like I was yeah. looking in like the the first two games of the series, Chernak had played like basically even amounts with Hedman and McDonough. So I'm thinking like yeah. that means like almost all the time, either headman and mcdonough are out there or headman and sorry headman and chernak are out there or mcdonough and chernak like they just always have some sort of monster on the ice uh as far as d goes and like they've been using headman and chernak for the most part against matthews which is interesting it's not what i really expected and they've done a good job like that's the other part of this is like mcdonough barely played against matthews in game three um, mm. 
so that so then which means McDonough, I believe, would end up facing Tavares a bunch. So hmm. anyway. It's interesting. I like I liked McDonough in the first two games. It's interesting that they would I, I guess they just really want well, the uh, they got burned a bit. Like the Leafs scored right. three times five on five with Matthews on the ice against them, including that right. one unbelievable play which we talked about. Right. So. right. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, what's, I don't know what McDonough's supposed to do there. I guess just move the puck faster when, when Matthews is coming in on you like that. Yeah. Sometimes stars are just going to be stars. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Okay. Let's, uh, let's take a break and then let's get into some questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, James, I am in Tampa, but you can support our restaurants in Toronto. We love them. We appreciate them. You're you're alone today, so you're going to get your own takeout today. That's very exciting. Yeah, my family left me alone all day, so I can do whatever I want. It's Recommendation, like- James. We've talked about this place on the, the podcast before. You wanted a burger? Maybe just order one from Allen's. Like, pick it up. Mm. Done. That is not a bad idea. Yeah. Get that delivered. They've got it's a they, good spot. Yeah, it is a good spot. They make really good burgers, especially the patio. Go, go, uh, take your loved one to the uh, to the patio. Have a nice dinner. I think I'm gonna. I think there's like a place in Tampa that makes like New York style pizza. I think I'm gonna like order one of those and just watch some of the games tonight. I think that's my plan. You don't want to make sure you're outside though. I mean, like, what's the temperature there? Last time I looked outside, it was raining, and now it's like sunny. Go sit next to the pool, and yeah, they get those like rainstorms down there. I'm, I love Tampa. Tampa's such a great spot. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I highly recommend that fans get down and see a game, a Leafs game in Tampa at some point. Yeah. The, you mentioned it before. It was rocking in there. Rocking. They've built like a really good fan base, and it's it's a beautiful arena, and it's in a part of town with lots of nice hotels and restaurants, and Go, go! People should go to Burn Steakhouse down there and go to the dessert room. It'll, uh, it'll change your life. Mm-hmm, interesting. You've been there, haven't you? No. Oh my god, dude, you're missing out. You should be there right now. Make a reservation tonight. Mm, maybe. I want to watch. Get one. There's some good games on tonight. I watch. <laughs> you better be outside. Everyone, everyone wants to be you. It's been nice here, though. It's been decent. So at least we have that going for us. All right. Are we ready? We're ready. So I didn't, I put the call out a little bit late because we're recording on, on a Saturday morning and the game ended on Friday night. I should have put the question, the call for questions out last night, but I screwed up. Uh, we do have a lot. Um, all right. Jason wants to know, it seems like the Leafs are always having trouble getting four lines to go at the same time. 
Uh, Tavares and, and Nylander are slumping when Matthews and Marner are hot and vice versa. Do you think this is a problem for the Leafs to address or is this just something that every team goes through and we're just focused on the Leafs? Uh, Dube has built this team to roll after opponents wave after wave and there's a weak link in the chain right now, basically. What do you think of that? I think he's right that every team goes through this. Like You look in any situation, no team is going to have all four lines going at once, generally. Um, I think what's what's at issue here is like what he talks about is like they're structured in such a way that they really need that second group with Tavares to be something because like well, the problem is is that yeah. their yeah their third line is not really like a Yanni Gord line like they've produced they've gotten a lot more offense out of that line than I think anyone could have expected but yeah it's a lot to ask them to continue to produce as much as they have. No, and so you're not you're not getting much from them offensively, and then your fourth line you're not you're not playing them that much, and they're not going to generate much. So it's like okay, so now you looked and you're you're down to two lines that you're counting on for offense, five on five. And this is part of what we worried a little bit coming into the series that that we didn't know Kasha was going to play, and and Bunting was was hurt, and you you take two forwards out of this lineup, and all of a sudden it's like you don't feel really good about what you're getting from a couple of your lines. Yeah. And so one thing that can actually a few things that can push that to the side a little bit is your power play and their power play has been good in this series and their penalty kill has been pretty good. Like Tampa scored that Colton goal uh, in game three. But so if your power play is really winning that war and your goalie's better, like you can get around that and that's kind of where they're at. But at some point you figure you're going to need something else five on five like and that's where you look at Tavares and Neilander. like they they have to give them something at some point yeah yeah I think that that's probably right I mean even if it's just like a game where they break out and score a couple of goals or something like that I think it's going to be really important here and you know what James like that's the way to frame it is like they don't necessarily have to be like dominant like you look at the way the numbers for Matthews in some of these games like even game two like their their underlying numbers were not good but they generated like they scored, uh, they scored and like they were just like opportunistic. Like when they had chances, they buried them. And maybe that's all you need from Tavares and Neilander, not necessarily to be like a possession juggernaut because that's not really what they've been. But just like when you get a chance, they need to score. And like there was a chance. I think Neilander had a really good look at one point in game three. So we'll see if they can play better. I have nothing to add to that, Jonas. Okay. On to the next question. Uh, Andrew says, uh, Leafs have been the better team the majority of this series. Uh, can they keep just playing this system or is Tampa going to find another gear and force more radical lineup mixing? Um, I'm sure Cooper's going to adjust. I mean, you, I think you were seeing that late in game three when they were coming and, you know, they're, they're already Tampa already. I mean, and you saw in game two where Tampa looked at what the Leafs were doing on the penalty kill and then found their openings and then, you know, their power play was all over them. So this series is, this sounds dumb saying this, this series is not over. I mean, it's three games, right? So, you know, the Lightning are going to come back with a huge push in game four. If Tampa wins that game, I mean, it's, you know, it's basically you're down to a best of three. So, you know, if you're the Leafs, you want to bring your absolute best because if you can go up 3-1, it's 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 absolutely huge, especially with the two home games still to come. And I kind of wonder, Jonas, if or like home ice, that might end up, it wasn't talked a ton, about a ton in the regular season, might end up being huge, you know, getting that that final game at home. 
Yeah, I, I wrote it at one point in one of my Monday things, just like that was something that you looked ahead. And if you can have game seven at home with fans, that's yeah. something like it's not nothing to have that advantage, especially if the crowd continues to be as good as it's been. And like just having the advantage with matchups like you can. Well, the Leafs haven't had that since. No, I don't think they've had a game seven at home with the crowd since. 2004 round one against Ottawa when the Noondike snuck those two goals past Patrick Lilliam and the crowd was a big factor in that game, if I remember correctly. No, you're right. Because you go back to last year, obviously, I think there were like a handful, what was it, like 500 fans or something in one of those games? Like it was nothing. And like it, that, ma- that's something, like there is something to the crowd. There was no energy in those buildings, like man, against Columbus and Montreal. That's not an excuse. It just, it was. And the Toronto crowds have been good, so credit, you know, full yeah. credit to the, full credit to the people that are going to the games. Um, Adriano says they need to switch things up and put Marner with Tavares. I I don't know. I'd be reluctant to break up Matthews and Marner right now. Well, especially because of the issue with Bunting and like there's like a trickle down effect, and I don't know. Like it, they could get to that point. Like I don't think that that's a crazy suggestion. Just because hmm. what that would do is like if you, let's say you did that. Suddenly Marner gets away from Sorelli and those guys and and maybe that frees him up a little bit. And maybe he can do a little bit more. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I, I I think that's an interesting consideration, something that they might have to think about at some point in the series. What about what about just like mixing in you were talking about Tampa mixing and matching the D pairs, like just mixing Marner in with Tavares a little bit at even strength and just changing the look up. Yeah, I like that. And and they did a little bit of like the odd time they had Neilander come out with Matthews and Marner. I think that they should do more of that. It, just find little pockets. And especially when the series shifts back to Toronto and they can control a little bit more of who's out there and when and all that stuff. Um, but this is why you experiment. And I think what's what's kind of funny, James, is like because of injuries and because of all these different factors, the lines that they're using, they really didn't use that much in the regular season. Like Kerfoot obviously barely played with Matthews and Marner. Kasha, Neander, and Tavares spent, I believe, like 35 minutes together during the regular season. Camp, Mikheyev, and Engvall obviously played a lot together and were one of the better lines in the league as far as like expected goals go. And then that fourth line of Spezza, Blackwell, and whoever never played together either so it's funny how these things work out you you can experiment and try all these different things and then like playoffs come and like shit happens and you just have to adjust all right we got one more for you here okay let's do it is the current third line success this is from richard current third line success sustainable if tampa makes no adjustments and simply runs back the same line matchups like do you think the third line can continue to give them as much as it is uh, do you think John Cooper puts more attention on the Leafs' third line to force the underwhelming Nylander-Tavares combo to have to put pucks in the net? It's an interesting idea. Like, does he does he put a tougher matchup against that the, the third line? Is that a, a, that would be a, that would be interesting? Do but you, the Leafs want that matchup? Yeah, the, right? that's like the, the thing. Leafs, the Leafs would prefer you, the Leafs would prefer that the Tampa top line is going against that those guys than Tavares. So probably not. And I thought that was interesting, an interesting point Keith made after the game is like Tampa was like kind of avoiding that matchup. Like they really wanted their top line to go against Stamkos. So whenever he would put Kampf, Mikheyev, and Engvall out for like a defensive zone draw, Cooper was often countering with his third line, which meant his top line was playing less. So he was kind of like 
mind gaming, gaming them a little bit, like forcing them mm-hmm. in to not play those guys because they didn't want to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting series, man. Like, this is fun. Like, I love that all the little stuff matters so much. Every little tiny thing. Well, I mean, this series should be either a second or a third round series, right? Like, I mean, these two teams are good enough that they could be playing in the conference finals. They're just not because of the playoff format. And 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 they're just not. I was talking to uh, I was talking to my cousin who's out in BC and is a big Canucks fan about this. And I just said the East has so many good teams. Like, that, you know, even if they did one versus eight, the Leafs would have played a good team. I mean, there's even like Washington's the eighth seed. That's like one of the best eight seeds I've ever seen. You know, they're, they're giving the Panthers a handful. It's Panthers win the president's trophy and they got to play the capitals and then you look and i'm watching the series out west and i don't know how much of that you've seen jonas but i've been watching a lot of you know the oilers and the, the flames and it's not the same like that you know that you got like the the kings you got the predators you there's like dallas you got some weak you know like how many of the weakest teams that have made the playoffs this year are in the west it's a lot different you know and the road for those western teams is going to be easier to the final and i wonder if that's a factor by the time we get there yeah good call no i was by the time i finished my story everything is done <laughs> so annoying what can you do well you got some off days to catch up but yeah i've just i've really been enjoying but the for whatever reason the east is is stacked this year and there's there's going to be some good teams that go home in the first round in the East. And I don't, I don't know if you can say so much in the West. I mean, I get one of St. Louis or Minnesota. I mean, St. Louis is missing a whole bunch of, I think they got three defensemen hurt now, so they're probably going to lose. But in in the East, you're going to have three or four good teams that are, that are not going to be playing beyond the first round, which, which kind of sucks, but what are you going to do? Yeah. The one that like really stings for me is like Pittsburgh. Like it's just like, who knows how many more times you're going to get, that team like Malkin and Latang, I believe are UFA at the end of this year it's like who knows what's going to happen with that and yeah well they got, they're it. getting screwed with the injuries right like yeah, I think you know Jar, Jar, Tristan Jari had such a good I don't know if he might be back in this series but Pittsburgh's played well in the series it's just tristurkin has been unbelievable and Pittsburgh's like running out of the third string goalie so I still think the Penguins can win though I mean they've me too they've they're impressive like Crosby's had a hell of a year yes all right James well, game four is on Sunday night. Awkward Sunday night game. I guess there were a few Sunday night games during the regular season. Not that awkward. Um, and the time is different. It's a seven o'clock start, whereas the other games have all been seven thirty. I haven't. Is what about five, six, and seven? It's funny when they change it up. Even I like a half hour change. They changes. said five is now seven thirty. Okay. So. Do you like the seven thirty start, or would you prefer a seven start? Oh, I prefer seven, just because like it means that I'm writing a little bit later, which means I'm a little less fresh. But what can you do? Got to be fresh, Jonas. You got to mix in the nap. Mm, yeah, I'm not a napper anymore. I had a good stretch of napping. I'm not a napper. Well, you're not a dad yet. When you're a dad, the nap becomes key. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk after game four on Monday. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, this has been a fascinating series. James, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Give it a give it a shot. I will be talking to you throughout the next couple of days, and then we'll reconvene on the pod on Monday morning. All right. Get your work done, Jonas, and go hit the pool. Word. That's my orders. Done. See you, Jonas. You got it.